Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we open your word together today, we open our hearts first to you. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to understand you in ways that we have not yet understood you. We ask that you would open our thoughts, but not only our thoughts, but our dreams, our hopes, our desires for you, and fill us with yourself. Lord, help us to learn something about communicating with you and knowing you better. Help me to get out of the way, Lord, for you to just speak to our, our hearts today through Christ. Amen. Last week we began a new series of messages called Experiencing God. We first learned about silence or solitude, which is basically just finding a place, a time and place to get away from everything else and from everyone else and focus totally on God. Elijah learned to listen for that still, small voice, that whisper of God. He learned that God was not in an earthquake and in the wind and the fire, but he was in that still, small whisper. And we must learn the same. God does not demand our attention, even though he could. God doesn't shout to us so loud that we couldn't avoid his messages, because he could do that. Instead, he approaches us in the still, small voice. He invites us to seek him, to draw close to him. And when we do, we discover how valuable and how life-changing that is. We learned last Sunday that our spiritual growth depends on our alone time with God, on this solitude, on this silence before God. And we learned that we will never grow deeper, we will never grow stronger in the Lord until we make solitude our routine, our habit. And it's up to each of us then to carve out a time for that every day. This morning I want to think about prayer because prayer is what happens in the solitude. Prayer is what happens when you get alone with God and you speak to Him and He speaks to you. And the communication of these two people occurs. Prayer is simply communicating with God. The Bible says that we are to pray continually and we are also to pray at special times. Prayer should be the first thing we do in the morning, last thing we do before we go to bed at night, and there should be prayer scattered throughout the day as we go through our activities. Followers of Christ ought to experience a life of prayer, a lifetime of prayer. A lifetime of contact and connection with God. Because He is our life. And because our life is in Him, we need to remain in contact with Him. Now Jesus talked about this in John 15. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me, then I will remain in you. If you abide in me, I will abide in you. There is a connection that we have with Christ as the vine and as the branch to the vine. And the life of the vine is the important thing. How does that get into us? How does it become part of us? How does the life of Christ flow through us? It's through that connection that we have with Him. And prayer is the most part of, important part of that. How you stay connected all the time with God. 
So this morning I want to try and tell you some of the things that prayer is. This is not everything prayer is, but I think this is the, 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 the basis, this is the foundation of why prayer is so important to us. First of all, I want you to know that prayer is worship. Too often our prayer is whining. <laughs> but prayer is supposed to be worship. Too often we are too concerned with ourselves and what we want, what we expect, what we'd like to see, instead of, first of all, finding what do you want, God? I'm here to worship you. I'm here to, to come before you and worship. So too often the focus is on us instead of God. So let's start right here, that prayer is worship. Prayer is coming before God in honor and respect and adoration and devotion, and that is worship. Jesus taught us to pray this way, didn't he, in his Bible prayer. The opening words of his Bible prayer were simply this, Our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He offered his prayer in worship, first of all. Prayer is coming into our spirits uh, before the very throne of God, as David brought out in the communion time today. To imagine that you could walk into the throne room of God and he would receive you. Doesn't mean you go in skipping around, you know, and acting like it's no big deal because you're going into the very throne room of God. And I like to imagine that sometimes when I'm praying, that I set aside this time and I go to prayer in God and I think, you know, I'm, I'm not just you know, going over the, the side fence and talking to my neighbor. I'm not just leaning up over the cubicle to talk to my, my uh, fellow employee. I'm not just leaning over to the desk next to me at school. I am into the throne room of Almighty God, the Creator of heaven and earth, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and He has given me an audience. And so I need to enter it with worship. When people in the Bible came into the presence of God, they were often awestruck, weren't they? When an angel of God appeared or God himself appeared, people fell on their faces. They prostrated themselves before God because that was the only position they thought was the appropriate one. Because they were in the presence of God himself. So they couldn't treat him casually. It wasn't just their pal. It wasn't their buddy. They couldn't ignore him. They couldn't disrespect him. No, they worshipped him. So prayer, first of all, is an attitude of worship. Jesus once told a parable of two men that were praying. It's in Luke 18, starting in verse 9. These two men approached prayer in very different ways, different attitudes. Listen to what he says. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For whoever one exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So what is our attitude of prayer? Does it begin with worship? Is it pride or humility? Is it disrespect or reverential fear? Prayer is worship. Prayer, secondly, is sincerity. 
Jesus told us that when we pray, we should not be like the hypocrites who pray out in the open so that they'll be able to impress everyone else with their prayers. There were day, days that people, Pharisees in particular, would go out on the street corner and they would bow and they would you know, just act all, all holy and humble and, and praying before God in a loud voice so everyone else around them would realize, boy, this person is really, really committed. This person is really on fire. This person is really devoted to God. And Jesus said, they've already got their reward because God doesn't listen to prayers like that. Instead, what you need to do is go into your inner room, go into your closet, and pray there in secret because the Father alone can see what's going on in secret. And then he will hear you. And then he will meet you. Then he will answer you. And why is that? Because God then sees the sincerity of your prayers. God told the, or Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4 that God is spirit. And whoever worships him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This is the sincerity piece. Are you genuinely there in prayer? Or is it just a show? Are you genuinely in prayer? Or is it just to get something that you want from God who's kind of like your sugar daddy or the person you know that just comes through for you when you're in a crisis? Are you genuinely there because of the relationship you want to have with him? And you're not going to fool God, are you? You, know, you can play games with other people. You may get away with that for a long time. But God knows whether we are sincere or not. He knows whether we are honest in our prayers or not. He knows whether we're being transparent or false, whether we're wearing a mask or we've taken the mask off. Prayer is sincerity. Prayer is genuineness. Sincere prayer hungers for God. Sincere prayer comes before God because you're going to uh, connect with God and be enriched by God in that relationship. David wrote in Psalm 42, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my spirit, my soul. How I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of praise and, and joy among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. So as the deer pants for water, as our stomachs hunger for food, we are to thirst and hunger for God. And we thirst and hunger for His life, for His word, for His wisdom, for His truth, for His strength, for His blessing. We thirst and hunger for God Himself when we are sincere in our praying. Sincere prayer perseveres. How are you at persevering in your prayers? You know, when you have something on your mind, something you're praying about, something that's bothering you, some somebody that needs help maybe, or maybe yourself, you, there's some solution, some answer you're looking, you're asking God to intervene. How much do you persevere? Because sincere prayer perseveres. It doesn't give up. It doesn't slack off. It doesn't let go. This is a challenge to us because... You know, we mostly have instant gratification today, don't we? We have microwaves, after all. You get supper in 30 seconds if you need it. And when we pray, we expect an answer from God the first time we pray about it. But most of the time, God's not in a hurry. God has a different timetable. He's not deaf 
He's not ignoring us. I like that the video brought that out. You know, it's not that God is hard of hearing. It's not that he doesn't care. But he's checking the sincerity. He's checking the genuineness of the prayer. He is waiting for just the right time. He's never late, but he's never early either. He's always right on time. And sometimes prayer is the activity we do while we're waiting and while we're trusting God to come through. Continued prayers are often accompanied by fasting in the Bible. You know what fasting is? Fasting is going without something, going without food, going without water, going without uh, maybe some other physical need of your life so that in the meantime you can focus on God and you can show, you can demonstrate the sincerity of your prayer. Now we can't spend a lot of time talking about fasting, but it's a subject you need to, to, to study. You need to figure this out. Because often in the prayer life of the people of the Bible, fasting was connected. Because it was a way of saying to God, I really mean this. I really need this. I really need you to be part of this. And I'm going to deny myself, even my physical needs, for a period of time so that I can demonstrate that to you and I can devote that time to prayer. The point is, do we pray with intensity? Do we pray with passion? Do we pray with a desire to see God intervene and to accomplish His will? Even if it's not what we wanted, do we persevere? Thirdly, prayer is compassion. Prayer is looking around us at the needs of others. And in the heart of God starts becoming who we are and how we look at people. And when we start having the compassion that God has on people, then we start praying for them. We start being concerned. A lot of our prayers are not for ourselves then. They're intercessory prayers. Charles Brent said intercessory prayer is loving our neighbor on our knees. God said to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you do that through your prayers as well as in other ways? As we see the needs of others and we know that God is even more interested, more concerned in them than we are, we lift them up in prayer. We don't know how he's going to answer, but we know that he will. We have special times of prayer sometimes, maybe in our daily life. You know, the solitude time, maybe another time where you devote to prayer. As individuals, we have that. But as a church, we have that. We have a Wednesday morning group that has met every Wednesday for maybe 15 years. I don't know exactly. But most of the prayer time of that group is for other people because of the compassion because of the sensitivity, because of concern for other people. And you do that in your Bible study. You do that maybe in your small group. You do that as a family. We have a couple lists at our house. One's up over the kitchen sink. One's up on our bathroom mirror. And it's a reminder to us that it's not just us in this game. There's other people, people that we care about, people that we love. And we lift them up in prayer every day because those lists are out there for us. And then there's also special needs that come up from time to time. We have a prayer chain. And every once in a while an email comes through or a reminder of some kind is posted that, that there's this need. Don't forget to pray for them. They're having surgery today. Don't forget to pray for them. Their family is going through this now. Pray for this person. They're looking for a job or whatever it may be. A few years ago, the Chicago Tribune uh, ran a story about a lady named Betty Tucker. She was a Christian cook who worked the night shift at Children's Memorial Hospital in Chicago. She did that for over 40 years. 28 of them she worked that night shift. And 
the people she met were in crisis. The people that came through her cafeteria line were coming through in the middle of the night. And in one night, the night that they wrote the article about her, she served a mother whose three-year-old had fallen out of a second-story window that morning. And she served another mother whose 17-year-old was battling a rare form of leukemia. And a third mother whose 18-year-old had endured seven hours of brain surgery. These are the people she was serving. And as she served them, she made a point to pray and to reach out to them and to encourage them and to come alongside them as they were going through perhaps the toughest night of their lives. Those stories broke her heart. And one of her co-workers says that's why she feeds every last one of them as if they had just walked into her kitchen. It wasn't the hospital cafeteria, it was her kitchen and she was personally invested in them. Another one said, at times like that, you need someone to bring you life. And Miss Betty brought it to them in the middle of the night. Prayer is a demonstration that we are beginning to understand and embrace the heart of God. It is an expression of his compassion and his grace. And if you are a prayer, you will pray for others. Fourthly, prayer is confidence. Confidence in God. Prayer shows that our ultimate trust is in God. Prayer shows that our confidence is not in ourselves, not in our government, not in our employer, not in our family, but in God. And in God alone. And that's why we pray, because no one else can do for us what God is going to be able to do for us. Our confidence is in Him. And we are saying when we're praying, God, we are depending on You. And You alone. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are going right now through difficult, painful circumstances. What sustains them? What gives them hope? It's their confidence in God. That's the only thing they've got. They're holding on to God in, in every way they can. We have brothers and sisters in Christ, most of them in foreign countries, who are going through unimaginable hardships and persecution right now. And having talked with some of them or heard their stories, I know that it is prayer and their daily communication with God that is keeping them going. Nothing else. There's nothing else to live for right now. But God is sustaining them because they're putting their confidence in Him. And He will not let them down. The psalmist said in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Steve Malone said this. Prayer is coming into the presence of God. Prayer is entering the throne room of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Prayer is to stand on holy ground. Prayer is a child talking to his father. Prayer is bringing our hearts to the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. Prayer is reaching out to our Redeemer, to the only one who can save us. Prayer is touching the one who loves us with an unfailing and unquenchable love. Prayer is reaching out to the never tired, confused, afraid, or taken by surprise God. Prayer is connecting our lives to the all-knowing, all-present, all-powerful King of Kings. Prayer is coming near to God. Prayer is confidence, not in ourselves, but in God. The final thing I want to mention about prayer is this, that prayer is power. 
Think about that. Prayer is power. Supernatural power. The power of Almighty God. When we pray, we are connecting to ourselves ourselves to the greatest power imaginable. The greatest power in this universe. More than anything, this is what we need to understand today. This is what we need to appreciate today. Because I don't think we do. I don't think the church of today and the Christians that that I know and myself really appreciate the power of God that is available to us. The church of today has lost its power. But it is prayer to Almighty God that will bring it back. Only prayer. We can try any program. We can throw all kinds of resources and money and energy towards all kinds of other things. But the thing that will bring the power of God back to the church of Jesus Christ is prayer. We put our confidence sometimes in ourselves. Our own skills, our own ideas. We try to do everything we can for God under our own power. And then we wonder why we fail. We wonder why the church is weak. We go hours or days or even weeks without praying. And then we wonder why God's kingdom is not growing. And maybe we get critical of each other or critical of the preacher or someone else and and say, well, this is a reason it's not doing better. And all the while, every one of us has the ability every day, any moment of the day, to tap into the greatest power on earth. It's simple, really, isn't it? We're not praying as we should. We're not praying for God's power. We're not asking God to do what only God can do. A.B. Simpson was preaching one time on Acts chapter 12. I don't know if you know the book of Acts very well, but in Acts chapter 12, the church is going through a crisis. The church of Jesus Christ has had some excess, success and, and uh, doing well in some ways, but persecution has started. And, and in Acts chapter 12, everything kind of hits the fan. King Herod brings in James, brother of Jesus, and kills him with a sword, executes him. And then he arrests Peter. And he sees the people are happy about that, the Jewish people. So he says, okay, I'll arrest Peter, who's kind of the leader of everything right now, and, and uh, puts him in jail. And he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with him, probably going to execute him, probably going to you know, put him out in the arena the next day or something. And it says, when the church looked like it was losing ground, the church prayed. Simpson said this, Prayer is the link that connects us with God. It is the bridge that spans every gulf and bears us over every abyss of danger of a need. How significant is this picture of the New Testament church? Peter in prison, the Jews triumphant, Herod supreme, the arena of martyrdom awaiting the dawning of the morning. But the church was earnestly praying for Peter, it says in Acts chapter 12. And what is the sequel? He asked. The prison open, the apostle free, the Jews baffled, the wicked king divinely smitten, and the word of God rolls on in greater victory. All because of the prayers of God's people on that night. Do we know the power of our supernatural weapon? Do we dare to use it with the authority of a faith that commands as well as asks? 
God grant us holy audacity, he said. Divine confidence. He is not wanting great men, but he is wanting men that will dare to prove the greatness of their God. You do not have to be a greater man or, uh, or woman of God. You don't have to be this person that impresses anyone else. It's not about that. But you and I must be prayers. You and I must be tapping into the power of God if we're ever going to see the power of God visit this church. And it is the requirement of each of us that we draw apart and that we pray to God every day so that God's power will be visible. God's power will be demonstrated. God's power would amaze us and the people that we are sharing Christ with. Oh, that the church today would pray for the power of God to do whatever God wants to do. Because prayer is power. And prayer connects us to God's power. Do you believe it? And will you pray? Will you pray in worship? Will you pray in sincerity? Will you pray with compassion? Will you pray with confidence in the power of Almighty God Himself? I want to share a video with you in just a moment. We're going to pray, we're going to see a video, and then we're going to sing as a part of our prayer time. It's a very individual thing. The prayer video is about you praying to God. The song is about you praying to God. And I hope that in these moments, we will begin a prayer life. Because God wants you to experience a life of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would touch our hearts right now. That you would impress upon each of us whatever you want us individually to receive. It's not about the person beside me, person in front or behind me. It's about my heart, Lord. And I pray that everyone in this room will do the same. May we listen as we've never listened before. And may we draw close to you as we've never drawn close to you before. In Christ, I pray. Amen. Please watch the video, then we'll sing.